Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. If you're not a Texas person, you might mostly know Fort Worth as the second half of the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. And I mean, that isn't wrong. But there's a lot more to it. Often, those of us who are not very familiar with Texas and Texas politics make the mistake of looping in Dallas and Fort Worth as similar cities or as places um, that are almost one big metropolitan area, when really that's not so. See, I told you. Fort Worth has seen a lot of growth on its own. Its population has absolutely exploded in the last decade. It's gained about 200,000 new residents from 2010 to 2020. Yeah, you heard that right. 200,000 in 10 years. It's the second fastest growing city in the U.S. And a lot of those new residents are younger, uh, more people of color. A lot of them are coming from very blue states like California. And uh, these are all good signs for Democrats who are hoping to take a slice of, of that electorate. Wondering who that is? Introduction time. My name is Maya King, and I am a politics reporter. Maya's been reporting on the mayoral runoff election in Fort Worth, which is taking place on Saturday after two candidates, one Democrat and one Republican, emerged from a general election last month. We are changing exponentially and rapidly in Fort Worth. The Democrat, Deborah Peoples, is hoping to become the city's first black mayor and wants to channel some of that change in Fort Worth to pull off a win after Biden narrowly squeaked out a majority in the area last year. But before that, Fort Worth's county went for Trump in 2016, and before that... It went for Romney in 2012 and for McCain in 2008. So to give you an idea, this is certainly something that is kind of new for the county, at least, that has been pretty conservative and now is seeing a bit of a slight shift that could be a bellwether for more changes. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Maya King on the local Texas election that could turn one of the last Republican cities over to Democratic control. One thing that is true is United States cities, big urban areas, metropolitan areas tend to be overwhelmingly Democratic Uh in that they all are almost all led by Democratic mayors. Big cities like Atlanta, Chicago, New York, These are all Democratic strongholds and have been for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Fort Worth is a little bit different. They have had Democratic mayors in the past, but for the past 10 years, there's been a Republican mayor, Betsy Price, who's been pretty popular and has overseen a lot of the growth that we're talking about in the city. But I'm not the only one who can do this job. There are many people out there who will be accomplished, outstanding leaders. And all that I would ask of the citizens of Fort Worth is that you study who they are and find out who the candidates are. So this would be a pretty big shift and a change for Fort Worth, given its its new growth and new population, if a Democrat were to take the helm of City Hall. I want to talk about the specifics of this race. You interviewed both of the candidates, um, Maddie Parker, the Republican-backed candidate, and Deborah Peoples, the Democrat-backed candidate. Um, let's talk about each of them, starting with the Republican-backed candidate. Who is Maddie Parker? Maddie Parker is the former chief of staff to Betsy Price and when served with her in City Hall for about five years of the 10 that Price has 
has been mayor. When I was in college at UT and I met my husband right after I graduated, I had a bumper sticker on my car that said, well-behaved women seldom make history. And I truly believe that and how remarkable it is you have two strong women standing in front of you to lead this fantastic city. Um, she has never run for office before. This is her first time pursuing public office. And she has chosen to run a largely nonpartisan or very strictly, I'll say, nonpartisan campaign hmm. and that she hasn't accepted endorsements from any Republican organizations in the state in the lead up to last month's election, which then became a runoff for Saturday's election. Fort Worth's race for mayor has been whittled from 10 candidates down to a runoff. Deborah Peoples brought in more than 33 percent of the vote Saturday and Maddie Parker took in just under 31 percent. So in between the time um, of last month's election in May to now with the final election happening on Saturday, she has started to accept endorsements from Republicans. Most notably, Greg Abbott endorsed her campaign on Wednesday. Hmm. And so she's upped the ante a bit, but she's run what she says is a campaign that's focused on Fort Worth's values. I think experience and leadership matters. I think style and the way we want to move our community forward. We are at a historic time in this country, in this city. But she's recognized also that those have changed as the population demographics have shifted. Well, one person who, you know, is hoping to capitalize on some of those changes in Fort Worth is um, Deborah Peoples, the Democratic candidate. Who is she and what did you learn from talking to her? So Peoples is the former Democratic Party chair for Tarrant County. And in that capacity, did a lot of work to turn out new and first-time voters. I want to create a one Fort Worth where everybody is valued, everybody is listened to, and when that happens, everybody thrives. Um, she's a former AT&T executive as well, so has a fair amount of business experience that she's touted on the campaign trail. And I learned a lot about her approach to running as a Democrat and what's often thought of as a Republican-led city or a Republican-held city. But one of the biggest things I think that Peoples has railed into, and also um, Parker too, is that this really shouldn't be thought about in partisan terms. But the fact that Peoples is the former party chair, Parker did work for Price, has put it into partisan terms. So uh -huh. under the surface of a lot of the politicking that we're seeing in this race, there is this argument, almost a whisper argument about who's more partisan, um, which candidate is, is leaning more into partisan talking points. Everybody knows I'm a Democrat, but I'm a Fort Worthian first. I, I love this city. And so I tell everybody all the time, politics don't know, uh, don't need a Republican or a Democrat. They need someone who cares. And, and it's hard to say. Um, that's I'm not sure if it's if it's my call, but I think that on the topics of policing and of public safety, that's really where um, we've seen the most partisanship, I think, come out to play. I grew up learning to respect the police because I always saw the police as an ally. There are citizens in this city that don't feel like that. And this is what I tell people. When people don't feel safe, we shouldn't tell them, oh, that's you're just thinking that and it's not true. We need to go in, listen to them, find out what their issues are, and then work to make sure that we answer those issues. And, and so, so Peoples right has now, put forth a lot of pro-police reform talking points and plans, and that sort of rubbed the Republican establishment in Fort Worth the wrong way. How do you think that will play out in this race? Like if policing and race are what are becoming sort of the you know partisan dividing issues here, are they what 
could end up deciding the outcome of the race? Like, you know, what do you think will make the difference tomorrow when people head to the polls? I think that the parties are both using these topics to gin up turnout because what this race is going to come down to is turnout. Uh Peoples understands that if she gets enough of her voters out, then she'll win pretty easily. But the odds are kind of stacked against Democrats in that this is an off-year election. There was already an election last month. Everyone is running around because a lot of COVID restrictions have been lifted. Folks Mm -hmm. aren't really thinking about politics or local politics. And so saying all that to say, you know, these issues are going to drive turnout. If it's Democrats saying, absolutely, I really think that this is the time for Fort Worth to reform police and make this a city for more people of color who are moving here, I'm going to vote. Then if more of those voters come out, I mean, that's a win for people's. But I think there's the opposite effect where a number of Republican or conservative leaning voters could say, I think that our police are doing a great job. They should be even further funded. I'm going to vote for the candidate who has the backing, actually, of both the um, police union and the firefighters union. Hmm. That's my candidate. And that would that would you know result in a win for Parker. So that's where I see those lines being drawn in this race. It's fascinating looking at races like this one in Fort Worth because, you know, it is a local race. Um, It's in theory not partisan. But then you have some of these, you know, extremely national issues playing out, things that have captured people across the country with race and with policing. And then also the backdrop of, you know, Texas recently considering new rules on, on voting in the state. What do you think this race will or could reveal about both the state of of national politics tomorrow and the state of of local politics playing out in Texas? Well, the debate around police funding and public safety, people have realized is very much a hyper-local debate. Obviously, Congress is figuring out a way to pass a more expansive police reform bill, but where where that influence will really be felt is on the local level. And so I think that more people are understanding that. I think that's really what this race says is that you know, national issues do trickle. All politics are local, but national issues really have a trickle down effect, too. And so we'll see how that plays out in a very purple city in a pretty purple county. Maya King, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Also today. The Biden administration has announced which countries will share in the first 25 million coronavirus vaccines donated by the U.S. to help low and middle income nations combat the pandemic. The U.S. will route about 19 million doses, roughly 75 percent, through the global vaccine aid program, COVAX, and will send the remaining 25 percent of the doses directly to specific countries. In all, the White House says six million of the doses allocated to COVAX will go to countries in South and Central America, including Brazil, Paraguay, and El Salvador. Seven million doses will be sent to Asian countries, including India, Nepal, and the Philippines. Another five million doses will go to African countries that will be selected in coordination with the African Union. And the U.S. will also send a total of six million doses directly to allies and, quote, regional priorities, including Mexico, Canada, the West Bank and Gaza, Ukraine, Egypt, and Iraq. And... 
The Department of Justice is investigating Postmaster General Louis DeJoy in relation to campaign contributions from his former private employees. The news was first reported by The Washington Post on Thursday, and a spokesperson for DeJoy confirmed the investigation to Politico, but said DeJoy denies that he ever, quote, knowingly violated campaign contribution laws. DeJoy has come under scrutiny over a September 2020 Post report saying that he pushed employees at his former business to give contributions to Republican candidates, which he would reimburse through bonuses, allegations that DeJoy has denied. This episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Politico Dispatch team includes senior producer Jenny Ament and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.